Last week we were beginning our study of the 23rd Psalm and we said that no one can have true contentment. No one can have real satisfaction until they receive Jesus Christ into their heart as personal Lord and Savior. If you're here today, that's your beginning if you've not done that. If you want to know what real fulfillment in life is, you begin there. That's where you begin. So many people want to say, if I, if I get this straight in my life, if I, if I get this worked out, if I get beyond this, then, Pastor, I'm going to really get in church and I'm going to really give my heart to God and I'm going to really start reading the Bible and really start being the Christian person I ought to be. But I've just got some stuff going on in my life right now and I've got to get that worked out. And as soon as I do, I promise I'm going to come to God and I'm going to really sell out to God. But you see, that's backwards. You see, the starting place is God. The starting place is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him and he isn't in your heart today, you've, you've not received him. I mean, you know about him and, and you've heard stories and, and you're moved when you come to the Easter drama and, you, and you, maybe you saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and it brought you to tears and all of that. And that's wonderful and good to, to know about him and even weep when you think about all he went through for you. But it doesn't become enough until you invite him into your life and allow him to sit down on that little throne we always talk about that's in your heart. So you have a throne, and it's his throne. But some of us have other things sitting on that throne other than him. I'm asking you today, I'm challenging you. Whatever you've got sitting on that throne that is not Jesus, kick it off this morning And let Jesus take his rightful place on the throne of your heart. We uh, also said that the keys to contentment, the keys to fulfillment and satisfaction are found in this beautiful 23rd Psalm that we uh, know so much about and have heard so many times and many of you could quote it. It's been quoted, as I said last week, in the nursery school and on the battlefield at weddings and at funerals. It is deep enough that the scholars can swim around in it without touching bottom. It's shallow enough that a little child can come and drink without fear of drowning, the 23rd Psalm. And we're focusing on this very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, and because he is, I shall not want for anything because he is my everything. And we're going to focus in on that even more next week, but there's some really important things I want to say to you today. Now, last Sunday we said that one of the keys to our contentment, one of the keys to us being able to really just relax in the arms of Jesus, because i got to tell you something, if you're not walking with God I didn't say coming to church. I love it when you come to church. That's a wonderful thing that you come to church. But coming to church and walking with God aren't the same. It's important that you have that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't, when, we, when you're watching the news at night and when you're reading your newspaper, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be worried. You're going to be nervous. David David sang it to us in that song this morning. What a powerful message in that song to us today. 
And, and so you go to church and, and you kind of tip your hat to Jesus, you know. You, you're kind of like, oh, Jesus, you're, you're nice too. And, you know, and I, I want to make sure I give you a little bit of my life. And, and I want to make sure, you know, that you're involved a little bit in my life because I might get in trouble and, and I might really have some bad news come along or I might lose my job or, or the doctor might give me a bad report. And boy, if that happens, I want to make sure I got some kind of connection to you because I'm really going to need you. Can I tell you something? You need him every moment of every day. You need a relationship with him. He wants a relationship with you. Um, I won't go there very long, but the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the ants, the little ants on the ground, the Bible says, the wise man said, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. And what that means is that the ant doesn't put off to the winter when times are bad, when there's no fruit on the vine. When everything's brown and dead and it's very, very cold, the ant doesn't wait till then to try to find food. He puts it away during the summer when things are going well. But a lot of people in their Christian life, they, they just kind of hold on to God, you know, with a little thread. And then if trouble comes, oh, they're the first one in the altar on that Sunday morning. And, and they're weeping and they're crying. They want the church to come and pray with them. And we will. We will. But that isn't the kind of relationship God wants with you. God wants a daily relationship with you. He wants you to be faithful to him when times are good and when times are bad. He wants you to be intimate with him in the summer when there's fruit on the vine and in the winter when everything is brown and it's so cold. He wants you to be faithful to him no matter what the situation of your life. And so we, we look at what it is that makes us contented. And what's, what makes us contented is found in the first two words of the psalm. The Lord. The Lord. He is where your contentment comes from. He is where your fulfillment comes from. You can find temporary fulfillment in other things. Matter of fact, you know, you can buy a car, you can buy a house, or, or you can say, if I can go on this vacation or if I can go on that cruise, and, and I love vacations, and I love cruises, and I like nice houses, and, and I like nice cars, and I'm not against any of that stuff, but what I'm going to tell you is that the wonderful feeling you get from buying those things lasts only for a limited time. Now, there's this very special time in my life, and that is when McDonald's has two Big Macs for $2. That is a very special time in my life. But it is for a limited time. So you better pack them in while the getting's good. And the people said, amen, amen. Um, I want you to know that's how the world's fulfillment is. It, it's, um, it's temporary. There's only one one thing that will give you permanent, lasting contentment, and it is the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Now, that word Lord is all caps in the King James Version, and the reason it's all caps is because it is the word Jehovah. It is the holiest word, the most sacred name for God that the Jews had was the name Jehovah. So that verse literally reads, Jehovah is mine. Shepherd. And because Jehovah is my shepherd, I what? Shall not want. I'll be contented. I'll be contented. Now let's look at the second key. 
The second key to contentment is found in this word, in the two words, my shepherd. Look at the contrast here. The Lord, Jehovah. Now, when I think of the Lord, <laughs> excuse me, when I think of the Lord, Jehovah, I think of crowns and golden scepters and royal regal robes and thrones and God in all of his glory and in all of his majesty high and lifted up. The Lord, my Lord, the Lord Jehovah. But then look how David just slams on brakes and flips the car around. He says, the Lord Almighty, the Sovereign that word sovereign means rules over all. Let me tell you some things about God this morning. He is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. These are the biggest words I know, so write them down. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He is powerful above all other powers. Matter of fact, there is no power to be compared to his. There is no knowledge to be compared to his. There's none like him. In all the earth, and all the universe, nothing makes God tremble. Nothing makes God uh, have to call an emergency meeting of the Trinity. God is in control. He is the sovereign God. But David just kind of slams on brakes here and goes, but not only is he this awesome, mighty, enthroned God, he is your shepherd. He's your shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? He is not only this God high and lifted up that seems untouchable. He's your shepherd. He's made himself available to you. So we look from the sovereignty of God to the shepherd nature of God. We move from sovereignty to shepherd. You see, the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. When we say Jehovah... We speak of the deity of God. When we say shepherd, we speak of the humanity of God. In John 10, 11, Jesus unwraps the mystery. In John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus proclaims, I am the good shepherd. Let me tell you what Jesus was saying right there. He was saying, hey, Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd. You know who David was talking about right there, Jesus says? Jesus says, he was talking about me. I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am who David was talking about. You see, in this wonderful salvation that we have, I invited you earlier to come and give your heart to Jesus this morning if you've not done it. In, in this salvation that you will experience when you come to Jesus, you have both sovereignty and sympathy. In Jesus, you have a king, but you also have a shepherd. In the Lord Jesus, you have a God who is able, but you also have a God who is available. In this Jesus, you have a God in the heavens, but you also have a shepherd in your heart. That is the God we serve. That is the salvation that he has provided for us. Now I want you to notice three things with me this morning. He calls, he is referred to as a shepherd very distinctly in three places in the New Testament. And I want to talk about those three places. First of all, Jesus is called the good shepherd. The good shepherd. 
In John 10, 11, he says it. He proclaims it out of his own mouth. I am the good shepherd. And then he tells us what good shepherds do. He says the good shepherd will what? Lay down his life for the sheep. Now, any shepherd may lose his life for the sheep. I mean, if a little sheep strays away and the shepherd goes after him and while he's trying to get that little lamb back in, he falls off a cliff or a bear comes out or a lion comes out and kills the shepherd, then that's a shepherd who lost his life for the sheep. But, but that isn't what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say a good shepherd may lose his life for the sheep. Listen, listen. Jesus said a good shepherd will lay down his life, will give his life. Jesus said he lays down his life. Did you know Jesus is the only one who ever really chose to die? You say, oh, no, 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 I know people who chose to die. We've had stories recently of suicides in our community. You say, Pastor, I know people who have chosen to die. I know a guy, uh, you might say, back in the army when we were in the war and, and he uh, fell on a grenade or he did whatever he had to do and he saved some people. And I know people who have chosen to die. No, here's what I mean. See, everybody's going to die. Some people may have chosen to die a little earlier, but everybody's going to die because the Bible says it is appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment the reason I say Jesus is the only one who ever chose to die is because Jesus is the only one who didn't ever have to die and he chose it he's the only one who ever chose to die listen to me he laid down his life for his sheep matter of fact Jesus said in John 10 18 no man can take my life from me Jesus said it no man can take my life from me. No man can kill me. He said, the only way I die is I lay down my life. I have to give my life. One writer said it this way so beautifully many years ago. It was nails that held Jesus Christ to the old rugged cross. Or it wasn't nails that held him there. It was the silver cords of love and the golden bonds of redemption that held him to the tree. We've often heard of the sheep dying uh, for the shepherd. But we have never, I've never heard of a shepherd dying for sheep. You say, well, it's really unthinkable that a shepherd would die for his sheep. But isn't it more unthinkable this morning that God would come to the earth and die for man? Isn't that amazing? Because we were lost and we had no hope of heaven. We were, we were doomed and damned to an eternal hell. And Jesus came and gave his life and made a way. So that we could come back to God and would not have to go to this place that we doomed ourselves to go. Get this right here. The good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. And here's why. To pay the penalty for sin. To pay the penalty for sin. The Bible says the penalty of sin in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is what? Death. That's the penalty. That's the penalty. Listen to me. If you go out of this world without Jesus Christ in your heart, you will not only know physical death, you will know eternal death in hell. But you can come to know him today. And I know a lot of preachers don't talk about this today, and I know a lot of preachers don't mention this from the pulpit. But you see, I don't want you to stand before God one day and God look at you and go, I don't have your name here. I don't have your name. I don't want you to look at God and say, but my preacher didn't tell me. Lord, if my preacher had told me, I would have done. I'm telling you right now, you do not want to leave this world without Jesus in your heart because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, 
is eternal life in heaven through, only one way, through in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, as the good shepherd, has laid down his life for you. This is the price he paid so that you could come back to God. Watch this right here. Watch this. God and man were together in the Garden of Eden. God and, and man were together. The Bible says in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve would just talk to God. They were just together. And then sin came. And when sin came, there was separation and a great gulf a great gulf, man here and God here, separated now by sin. Are y'all with me? And God sent his only son. And his only son, Jesus, died on a cross. And that cross became a bridge so that man could walk back to God. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. There is no other way to heaven except to know God, and you cannot know God except through the God-man, Jesus Christ. Have you made that decision? You see, every man's sin will either be pardoned by Christ or punished in hell, but sin will not be overlooked, ladies and gentlemen. And I say this to you today, not to be harsh or mean, I say this to you today because I love you and I want you to know that your sin will be dealt with either in pardon or in hell. Let Jesus pardon you this morning. Give your life to him. Stop running. Stop running from Jesus and come to him and let him forgive you and move into your heart and become your Lord and Savior. Without the work of the good shepherd, your acceptance of this work of the good shepherd, you will face God in the judgment with your sin unatoned. Come to him today. Come to him today. Now to fully understand what he's done for you, we must not only see him as the good shepherd, but number two, we need to see him as the great shepherd. Now, the good shepherd, what did he do? He died. The good shepherd laid down his life. What for? To pay the penalty of sin. You see, we owe a debt we can't pay. And the only way it could be paid was for God to die. And Jesus died for your sins and for mine. That is the good shepherd. But what is the great shepherd? Well, let's look at it. May the God of peace, Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead. It's talking about the resurrection here. So not only do we have a shepherd who died for us, but we now have a great shepherd who rose from the dead for us. Look at it. It says, brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you, that means to mature you with every good thing thing for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen as a good shepherd he died as a great shepherd he rose from the dead it's very clear in Hebrews 13 and when it calls him the great shepherd it is in direct reference to his awesome resurrection because what good is a dead shepherd a dead shepherd is no good except that he paid the penalty for sin. But that isn't enough. Listen, listen. This may sound strange to you. As wonderful as the death of Jesus was, it wasn't enough. 
It wasn't enough that he just died. He rose from the dead. You see, on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. Look what the Bible says. Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, has laid on himself the what? The, what? the iniquity, that is the sin of how many of us? All of us. You see, he had to be the good shepherd to die on a cross and pay the penalty for sin. But he was also the great shepherd. Listen to this now. This is important. He was the great shepherd because he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, that was to display his power over sin. Listen, listen. Not only did Jesus pay the penalty for our sin, but Jesus rose from the dead to say to you, if you will receive me into your life, no longer will you be a slave to sin. Because I rose from the dead to show my power over sin. And if you will invite me into your life, if you will invite the resurrected Jesus in your life, the same power that I had over sin will reside in you and you can have power over sin as well. Do you know we don't have to sin? Now we do. The Bible says it. It says, uh, don't you dare sin. Don't you sin. Don't you sin. And then it says right after that, but if you do. <laughs> God knew us well, didn't he? He said, don't sin. But if you do, Jesus is saying to us here, when I rose from the dead, I wanted to show you not only did I pay the penalty for your sin, but I'm giving you power over sin. He died for me, hallelujah. He rose from the dead for me, glory, hallelujah. You see, a dead shepherd can't lead us. And the Bible says in Psalm 23, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then finally, and when I say finally, it really doesn't mean anything, but I just say it anyway. The chief shepherd. Listen to this. The chief shepherd. 1 Peter 5 and 4. And when the chief shepherd, what? When he what? Everybody say it. When the chief shepherd. Let's get it up there, guys. That verse. 1 Peter 5 and 4. You got it up there? Good. And when the chief shepherd, what? Appears. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now watch this. This is going to bless you now. This is going to bless you. If this don't bless you, you're going to show you haven't been listening. So act like you're getting a blessing right here. The good shepherd died to pay your penalty for sin. Not his. He didn't have any sin. He paid your penalty. He rose. The chief shepherd rose from the dead to show you power over sin. Not only that he has power over sin, but to make that power available to you. And now we see the chief shepherd, or the good shepherd, the great shepherd. Now we see the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd, what's he doing? He's coming again. You see, Jesus died. Jesus rode from the, rose from the dead. But then in the book of Acts chapter 1, he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, the angel said, uh, this same Jesus who is going away into heaven will come again in like manner. Now, the reason they said that is because it's true. Jesus, listen, listen, because we don't say this very much in church. We ought to be saying it a lot more than we are saying it. Jesus, listen to, listen to your pastor, is coming back. Jesus is coming back. 
He's coming back. You say, well, I have my faults on eschatology. You don't even know what eschatology means. You say, I've got my thoughts on the end times, and I believe the rapture's at this time, and I don't even believe in a rapture, and I believe it's in the middle of the tribulation. You know what? You say, well, what are you? What's your doctrinal statement on the end times? I'm a pantheist. I believe it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I, I love the book of Revelation. I love end time study. I'm all about that. We got a book of Revelation study going on right now on Wednesday night by a great teacher, Mr. Frank Flowers. It's an awesome thing. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Just get right with God and get everybody else you can right with God. And whatever's going to happen, we'll be ready. Isn't that right? That's worth writing down right there. But, but listen now. Watch this now. And I know I've said this over and over. I want you to get it. The good shepherd died for the penalty. The, the great shepherd rose to give us power over sin. Listen, listen. The chief shepherd is coming back to take us out of the very presence of sin. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, guys, I, I, I'm, I'm going to work till he comes, and I'm going to smile till he comes, and I'm going to be happy till he comes. I'm an excited Christian i got to tell you something, I'd serve Jesus if there were no heaven. I really would. I'd serve Jesus if you died, that was the end of the whole thing. It was like turning out a light and everything just went dark on you. I'd serve Jesus because I love just living this life now. People say, well, I'm going to hold on till Jesus comes. Man, if I had that kind of religion, I'd try to get saved on my deathbed. You know what I'm saying? I love this life. I love it. But listen, listen. I watch the news, I hear the doom and the gloom, I hear all the things that are happening, I hear about the economy, I hear about how America's becoming a socialist nation and all that stuff, and I could get all tore up about that, I could get all tore up, I could get all messed up about that, and I do pray about it, and, and I do have my concerns about it, but listen, the king, the king is coming, the king is coming, don't forget it. Don't forget it, Paul says this is our blessed hope. That the king is coming. He's coming back. Not only is he a good shepherd who dies and a great shepherd who rises from the dead, but he is a chief shepherd who is coming back to take us out of the very presence of sin. Are you ready? Are you ready? What if he came back today? Are you ready? You accepted Christ as your Savior, or are you just playing games? Well, these hypocrites in the church. Oh, really? Is that right? Will you come meet with me this week and talk to me about that? Because I didn't know. <laughs> Call 60 Minutes. They're going to want to do a story on that. Do you think you're going to stand before God one day and go, no, I didn't give my heart to you because there's hypocrites in the church. Is that going to help you? You say, well, I just ain't going to church with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you can come to church with some of them, or you can go to hell with all of them. I mean, it's up to you. And Did I say that? Did that come out? I mean, there's inside words and outside words. And I believe those inside words just got outside right there. 
Give it up on the hypocrite thing. We got it. Sometimes I'm the hypocrite. <gasps> Sometimes I do stuff I shouldn't do and have thoughts I shouldn't have and say things I shouldn't say. And no, I'm not going to tell you about it. No. I'm not. You're, you're like, oh, come on, come on, come on. Sometimes I'm a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites from time to time. I'm not asking you to look at me. I'm asking you to look at the king. I'm asking you to look at the shepherd. I'm asking you to look at the one who Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Can I show y'all something real quick before we go home? I was looking at my Bible, and I love those little hidden things in the Bible that they look like little inspirations, but they're not really little. They're, they're actually huge things that God just does in the Bible to let you know, you know, that the Bible's true. I was looking at the 22nd Psalm, the one right before the 23rd. Did y'all know that? 22nd is right before. It's amazing. The 22nd Psalm and then the 23rd Psalm and then the 24th Psalm. And I realized something. Did you know that the 22nd Psalm is written as if the one who wrote it was standing right at the foot of the cross? When Jesus died. Now look, Jesus didn't die till hundreds of years later. But did you know that in the 22nd Psalm, did you know that, that it talks about they gambled for his garments? Did you know that in the 23rd Psalm it talks about, it talks about the words Jesus said on the cross? It talks about the, the piercing of his hands and his feet in the 22nd Psalm? It talks about the things his enemies would say. Now, the, the cross, Jesus hadn't even been born in Bethlehem. This is Old Testament. But all that's in the 22nd Psalm. Did you know that the 22nd Psalm is all about, listen, listen, it's all about the good shepherd that died. The good shepherd died for the penalty of our sin. And the good shepherd is right there in the 22nd Psalm. And then when I get to the 23rd Psalm, I find the great shepherd who's risen from the dead. You say, well, I've read the 23rd Psalm, and I don't read about him being raised from the dead. I don't either, but I read about him leading us, and it's hard for a dead shepherd to lead. He leads us where? Into what? Paths of what? Righteousness. So, so not only do we see the penalty of sin paid in Psalm 22, but we see the power of Jesus over sin when he says, if you will follow me, I will lead you into what? Righteousness, which means sinlessness, power over sin. So in Psalm 22, I see the good shepherd paying the penalty and in Psalm 23, I see the great shepherd rising from the dead with power over sin. And when I get to the 24th Psalm, I find the chief shepherd. Because the 24th Psalm is all about Jesus coming back. It's amazing. Because when I read in the 24th Psalm, 24th Psalm, I find these words right here. Listen, it says, lift up your heads. Can I say that to you? Get your head lifted up. Don't act like you don't have any hope. Don't act like you're not a Christian. Don't act like you are dependent on the world. You're not dependent on the world. You have a king. You have a shepherd, and he's good, and he's great, and he's the chief. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. 
You say, well, I read a book on prophecy and it's looking bad. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. That's no testimony. It's no testimony of a Christian to walk around down and out. I love that song. I'm, I'm all into that. I'm all into that right there. Amen. When I get down, he lifts me up. And when I get down, he lifts me up. Come on, everybody. I'm sick of Christians all down all the time. Well, it's bad. It's the worst it's ever been. That must mean Jesus is coming. That must mean the king's coming. Look what he says. He says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord, excuse me. The Lord mighty in battle. Look what he says. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Oh, man, I'm so tired of Christians walking me, 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 me. So bad. Have you even thought about who's coming? Have you even thought about who paid for your sin? Have you even thought about he's risen from the dead to give you power over sin? Have you even thought about that one day he's coming to get you and take you out of the very presence of sin? Have you thought about it? Oh, we got our mind on the wrong things. I get my mind on those things sometimes too. And in my prayer time, God will remind me, fearless, all temporary son. It's all temporary. I'm coming. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Your hope is in me, boy. Your hope is in me. Get your eyes off the stuff around you. Farrell, everything you see with that eye, those eyes I gave you, everything you see is temporary. It's all going to pass. Get your eyes on me, son. And I believe that's the word of the Lord to us today. Father, Thank you for your word. I believe your Bible, God, I believe it is inspired. I believe it is inerrant, infallible. I believe it is the truth. So, God, we declare it here. We sing it. We act it out in dramas. And, God, we look to you today. Forgive us for being down and out and discouraged as we look around us. And, God, help us. Be thankful that you died. Be thankful even more so that you rose. And Lord, to know you're coming to get us. You're going to take us out of the very presence of sin. What an awesome God we serve. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. We don't know what to do, which way to turn. In and of ourselves, we have no answers. But Lord, you have it all. We look to you. You are our wise king. You are our wise leader, our Lord, our Savior, our, our hope of eternity. We love you today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, is there anyone here who would just say, Jesus, I don't want to offer you any more excuses today. I'm tired of it. It's not getting me anywhere. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus, in my life. Will you just say that to him, Jesus? I need you. I've been trying to fix things and I just make a bigger mess. I need you, Jesus. I know there may be people who don't understand when I commit my life to you. There may be family or friends that mock me or laugh at me, but that's all right. I, 
I need you in my life. So Jesus, I invite you in right now. Would you just come in, Lord, and would you wash all my sins away today? Forgive me, God, of my sins. Live in me. I want you to be my good shepherd. I want you to be my great shepherd. I want you to be my chief shepherd. No more excuses. No more running. Lord, right now, I give you my life. I give you my life. Come in. Forgive me and live in me. And Lord, I'm just going to start walking one day at a time. I, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the answers. But I know this church will help me or or my church, wherever you go to church, you say, I know my church will help me. My pastor will help me. So, God, I'm going to stop running today, and I'm going to give you my life today. You can have me. Here I am. Take me. Take me, Lord, as I take you. I open the door. The Bible says, Lord, you stand at the door of my heart and not Well, I'm opening the door today. I'm opening that door today. Come on in. Come on in my life, Jesus. If you'll say that and mean it, he'll come in. Your life will be changed forever. You'll have light where there was darkness. You'll have understanding where there was confusion. You'll have a, a lightness where there was a heavy burden. Just give him your heart today. Now, we're not going to embarrass you, but I do want to ask you to do something for me with every head bowed and every eye closed. I ask you to do something for me. If you prayed that today and made things right, will you do this for me? You just put your hand up and put it right back down. Just put it right up and right back down. See those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Now, everybody look at me. Now, can we just praise God for those who raised their hand today?